Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. We're just going to say a quick prayer as you find in that. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to get in the Word of God. Father, we thank you that the Word of God is living. It's alive, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, we thank you that heaven and earth may pass away, but not one jot, one tittle of the Word of God shall ever pass away. We thank you that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Father, it dwelt among us and became flesh. Father, we pray today that the Word of God, Lord, would just come into us, Lord, and become flesh into our lives. Father, that we may walk the Word out in this region, God, and in our everyday lives. Father, don't let us be hearers of the Word But God, let us be doers. Let us activate the word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, is that the prayer of your heart? Amen. All right. Listen, I'm excited. I believe that the Lord has me on a journey. And uh, this journey actually started maybe a couple of weeks ago, two or three weeks. Actually, the journey started over 20 years ago. But what I'm on now has been a couple of weeks and just had some different things to happen and take place that point and directs us uh, to where we're going to this morning. But just because I want to say this, this morning I, I want to preach a message uh, to men. But in this you will find that I'm not only just talking to men, although men is my main target this morning. And so we uh, started, I guess it was um, a couple of weeks ago in preparation to getting our men, which we call our men's group, the Axe Men, um, and we were in preparations of get, getting our men together. And we had a good gathering that night. Between 50 and 60 men came that night, which I thought was a very good gathering. And we worked on getting those men into small groups, accountability groups. And that accountability is not to keep a man from drinking as such as it is to that each man would give an account for the account that's in their lives, Right? How many knows that's what accountability is? You need somebody that recognizes the gifts and the callings of God upon your life and the anointing upon you that you don't live beneath your call. You with me now? And so uh, we did that, and um, and all, I would say that our groups are are going, and um, we're 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 connecting, we're exchanging life, and we're we're prodding each other along, if you would say. And so we did that, and then. We had a great meeting that Saturday night. Come in here Sunday and did a service. And then we got back home. We have prayer on Monday night at 6.30 and prayer on Tuesday morning at 5.30. And so we got here on Tuesday morning at 5.30 and I began to seek the Lord. And it just a, I just felt like a militant style, just strong, scary anointing come on me. And I was sitting right there my wife is somewhere around in there and that just that whole Zechariah chapter 4 uh, the first few verses kept coming to me uh, uh, who are you O great mountain that you should stand before Zerubbabel who are you O great mountain that you should stand before Zerubbabel it's not the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel you shall come down with shouts of grace grace I believe we are in a season of great grace to see the mountains crumble before us friend I'm telling you, it's how you pursue, it's your perception. We got a lot of ground to cover this morning, okay? So we my plans is I always try to fly the plane to land it somewhere around 12, okay? But I got a lot. 
I mean a lot. I have been with God for three days, and I got a lot. So I do know this, that I can't preach a whole series. I can't preach a month's worth of stuff in one morning. I understand that. But I do believe that the Lord is trying to help us. Out of that meeting on that Saturday night, there was a guest that came with one of our men that he felt led to bring. He stood up at the end of that meeting and the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. I'd never seen him, but I knew when he stood up, he was under the anointing of God. And one of the things that he said is there is a move of God coming for this region. Are you with me now, friend? See, the call of God on this house, we're not trying to build a church. Church is easy to build. All you got to do is offer coffee, donuts, get you a seeker-friendly message of how you can live your best life, come in here with jeans and a collared shirt, give you a cup of coffee, bottle feed you and burp you on the way out, and you can grow a church. But my vision is to see an entire region change. Come on, somebody. I want to see city transformation. I want to see transformation of people's lives. And city transformation starts with home transformation. Home transformation starts with a dad being transformed. Come on, somebody. We cannot expect mama to lead. Come on, somebody. I came to talk to you. We can't expect the children to change when daddy won't change. But if daddy's heart gets turned around, friend, there's something happening inside that home. And if the home changes, the school house have changed. The one problem we got in the school system is because daddy is vacant. Daddy's absent. If, if daddy's in the house, but he's not in the house. He's absent friend. Come on somebody. And God is desiring to raise up strong men. It's God's trying to raise up strong men in this hour we living in. I said strong men. That is the call of God on this house. I refuse to raise up wimpy, weenie back, spineless men. We need men to rise up and take their place in the house of God, in society, in this nation. We need to break the back of compromise. I came to preach if you want to hear it this morning. So this guy stands up under the anointing of God and said there's a revival coming to this region. And he just recently moved back. He said he moved his family back because he felt the Lord calling him back to this region. I've been battling a cold, so. <clears throat> and so, and this is what he told us. He said the, the move of God is going to come through the men. Now, I've only been here for five years, but I know that the Lord told me the three things that I was to work on was the worship. We have been on that ever since I've been here. That I was to focus on the children. And I was to focus on the men. But if you take care of the man, you know statistics say if you win a, if you win a child, you got so many percent or whatever to get, I think it's like 20% of getting a family. If you win the mom, you got like 40% of chance of getting the family. But if you win a dad, you got over 80% chance of getting that whole family to come to the Lord. Come on. A lot of the problems with society in our household if, that, if daddy would take his place. I'm going to say it again. A lot of problems in our household would subside if daddy would take his place. I'm going to say it again. A lot of our problems in our household would subside if daddy would take his place. Nobody's going to take your place for you, friend. You got to take your place. If you won't take your authority, the devil will use your authority to wreak havoc on your family. It's time you take your place, sir. All right, I feel kind of militant, so just, just forgive me. But 
So I'm going to speed you up. So we come in here Tuesday. I'm going to say that. So I'm just leading you up to this encounter. Now I'm sitting, there, I'm sitting here thinking about Zechariah chapter 4. I'm praying this prayer right here. And then I move to about this area here. And in this deal, the lights are off. There's nothing but the lights like are on during worship. Amanda was actually worshiping on the keys. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord's on me real strong. I'm talking about like, like, like a scary strong. And all of a sudden, I start just, I've seen Danny do this sometimes when we're by ourselves, but I started striking the eyes with the paint. There's so much to that. I went through this whole ordeal about girding up my loins, grabbed hold of my side, and began to stay take my place and so I did through this and I felt like there was a sword placed in my hand and I began to swing the sword to the right I began to swing the sword to the left I began to put a position the sword right in front of me and I begin to cut. And as I begin to cut, I made my way to the stage, cutting to the right, cutting to the left, cutting and then cutting straight ahead, cutting to the right, cutting to the left, cutting straight ahead. And I made it all the way right here to right here. Then I knelt down, laid what I felt was a sword in my hand down, and I just broke and began to cry. And so we felt like, because we went out of this house Tuesday to another city and we were taking a vision we felt like that God has entrusted us with. And we began to share that in that city. And so we felt like, you know, that, that maybe God was doing that because we were leaving outside of this house to take that vision forward. And so as, but, but as I began to seek the Lord Tuesday, I mean Thursday, it all kept flooding back to me that I felt like what I was doing was a prophetic act that was God was calling the men of this house to. You with me now? It's one thing to see Catherine run around with a flag and dance before the Lord, but I'm telling you, it's a whole other thing to see a man, a grown man that loves his God, dance before the Lord. All right, you with me? Now let's get right here. In, in, in 2 Samuel. Really push those miners for me right there, Amanda. So we're going to plow this thing. 2 Samuel chapter 10, you're there, verse 9. When Joab saw that the battle line was against him, before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. See, this is the whole deal of Joel chapter 2, that army. It says that they know how to march in cadence. That is battle array. This army that is coming up, that is rising on the earth, knows its ranks. It knows where it stands. Are you with me now? This army is not worried about if it can be in the front or it can be in the back. It knows its place inside the body. Are you with me now? And it knows how to march in cadence. And it knows how to march in battle array. My God, we have got to raise men. David said it like this. Thou teachest my hand to war. We got to have men that know how to war. Come on. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. 
But if the people are too strong for you, then I will come help you. This is all about what we do at the Acts men. Listen, you you might be easily overtaken, but I can tell you this. If you got two or three with you, it's hard to take down all of us. Are you with me now? You may jump me from the side, friend, and blindside me and knock me back, but it's impossible to take me out as long as I got somebody with me. This is this whole deal. If they're too strong for you, I'm coming to help you. If they're too strong against me, you coming to help me. Now look right here. I want to focus your attention on this verse. Then he said, verse 12, be of good courage and let us be strong for our people. I hear God saying that this morning to this house. Let us men be strong. For who? For our people. My God, my God. And for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. Be of good courage. And let us be strong for our people. And for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good for His sight. God help me today to preach with clarity. And under the anointing. Open our ears to hear. Raise up men in this house. Awake the sleeper that lies before me, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Listen to this. I, I, I'm not really a, a, note take, a note taker. Those that know me, I usually scratch on a Xerox piece of paper. But I have been copying, pasting, and writing for days. Let me tell you something, men. If you want to be fired up, you get you the author, Mark Batterson who has wrote books about the chasing the lion and the lion in the pit on a snowy day. I'm going to really just preach from his writings today uh, 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 is what you're going to hear me. So I got to personally give thanks to him for helping me. Uh, I just love his writings. His writings will light a fire and a passion in you to go after what God has got for you. How many knows that God has not, he's created man a whole lot different from woman. Man has something testosterone. Come on somebody. God give us that for a reason. Come on somebody. He created us to be warriors friend. He created us to rise up and to be the leader. He, that's what God created us. Don't the, the Bible says to treat the woman as the weaker vessel. It never says she's weak. That's the church has made a mistake. Listen, that was not weak right there on the front row. She just did bad with a sword in her hand as I am. But the Bible teaches me to be a protector for her and a provider for her. Come on, somebody. And the, and the testosterone rises in me that when the lion and the bear come at my family, it's not her place to get out there in the yard and take him out. It's my place as the man of the house to reach out and grab that lion by the bear and say, listen here, you're not coming in this house to take one of mine because I said a long time ago, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're not going to cross this line. My place is covered by the blood. I got the promise of Psalms 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Friend, if you've been abiding, you can stand up and claim there's a shadow. I said if you've been abiding, you can claim that there is a shadow. My God, I'm telling you, I'm going to preach like a Pentecostal preacher. In 1744, the College of William and Mary sent a letter to six Native American chiefs offering free education to the twelve of their young braves. 
the chiefs politely declined the offer with the following reply. Several of our young people were, form were formerly brought up at the colleges of the Northern Providence. They were instructed in all your sciences, but when they came back to us, they were bad runners, ignorant of every means of living in the woods, unable to bear cold or hunger, knew neither how to build a cabin, take a deer, or kill an enemy. And they spoke our language imperfectly and were therefore neither fit for hunters, warriors, or counselors. They were totally good for nothing. Listen to this. The chiefs then made an effort of their own. If the gentlemen of Virginia will send us a dozen of, your, of, of their own sons, we will take care of their education and instruct them in all we know and make men out of them. Let me tell you something. Men just don't happenstance to turn into men. Jack Hayford, which is considered the pastor's pastor, the leader of leaders, says this, that children are born, but men are formed. Men have to get on iron. The Bible says it in Proverbs like this, iron sharpens iron. So does the countenance of a friend sharpen another. You never going to get to where you are isolated. My God, I'm trying to help somebody. You never going to get to where you are being isolated because you don't got nothing rubbing on you. You got to get by somebody that rubs you the wrong way. Somebody that will get in your face and say, that's not good enough. What are you doing? Tighten yourself up. Rise up. Become who God called you. Man up. It's time to man up in this hour. Listen. The reason why I said this on Tuesday night. It must have been six to seven years ago. I was awakened out of my sleep to the song Born to be Wild playing. Born to be wild. Men were born to be wild. This is why men struggle in church life. Because the church life don't want, doesn't like wildlife. We like zoo life. Most churches are safe and predictable. Oh, we know what the preacher's preaching three weeks before he ever grabs the microphone. We know what song's going to be sung, come on somebody, before anybody ever walks in the stage. There's nothing wrong with having a flight plan. But let me say this, we have got to have room for the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit in the house of God. It's time we take the reins off of the Holy Ghost and let Him do what He can only do. He can do more in five seconds than you and I can do in a lifetime. See, in the zoo... The eagle hops on the ground. In the zoo, the gorilla will come up to the screen and let you look at him. But in the wild habitat, the lion doesn't come and allow you to take pictures. The lion will devour you in the wild habitat. Men were born to be wild. But what happens a lot in church life is we begin to tame them. Just calm down. Just calm down. Just Will you just fall into my clone? Will you just fall into where we can restrain you?
you got to understand that men love the wild. And they're hunters. This is why when we go shopping, I don't understand. Because I'm a hunter. You tell me you're looking for a red blouse? It should have a price tag hanging of $49. I can go hunt it down. But when I ask you what are we looking for, and you tell me you don't know, then I'm frustrated. Because I'm a hunter. Now listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus never promised a safe, predictable life. Hello. The preacher says, well, just come to Jesus and everything's okay. Wrong. Come to Jesus. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves. Now let me tell you this. The sheep has no chance against the wolf unless he's got a shepherd. My God, I came to talk to somebody. He may have sent us out as sheep amongst wolves, but he is the great shepherd. And when anything comes and rises against the sheep, he will stand his ground. Maybe it's the reason why we don't trust the shepherd. Now listen to this. Just got some stories. In 1995, the gray wolf was reintroduced to Yellowstone National Park after a 70-year hiatus. The size and scope of the ripple effect surprised scientists. Wolves are predators that kill certain species of animals, but they indirectly give life to others. As wolves begin killing coyotes, the rabbit and the mouse population increased, thereby attracting more hawks, foxes, and badgers. The deer had overpopulated the park and overgrazed parts of Yellowstone. The flora and berries came back, so there were a spike in bear population. In six years' time, the bear valleys were reforested with aspen, willow, and cottonwood trees. The rivers had returned back to their normal flow patterns because the erosion has stopped. What are you saying? We need the wolf. Jess has already said it. What you got to understand is God could have did away with the devil a long time ago, friend. But he chose to let him roam. Why? Because that Roman line's producing endurance. He's producing character. He's producing faith. Come on now. The Bible says it like this. Had he would have known the outcome, he would have never crucified or attacked the Lord of glory. The wolf... We need the wolf. The wolf gives his training ground. A sheep will stay a sheep as long as there is no wolf. And a boy will stay a boy as long as there is no wolf. But if he has to face the wolf, there's something inside the boy that will rise up and cause him to turn into a man. You with me? Can you stay alive right here? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm alive. 
Jesus said in Matthew 8 20 foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head what was he saying to his disciples I'm about to rewild you guys I want you to get away from the modern day church where the Pharisees and Sadducees are in the temple showing off their latest threads get out here in the wilderness go to path of John get out here and eat wild locusts and wild honey and dress with camel's hair get out here in the wild where you can learn something. Now, there's no class that I've ever taken on manhood. Probably not. I've never looked at a university that offered a class on manhood. Now, we know the Bible says that the older women are to train the younger and the older men are to train the younger. Right? Got to train the women how to cook. How to be homemakers. Yeah, y'all quiet up in here. I guess no man wants a homemaker. If men just had the house, we'd hang two deer heads in it. One recliner. Paper plates. That's why I asked Catherine, why you got to move the furniture around? Why you do that? It's fine where it is. My remote hits the TV just right. Now listen. For the remainder of this time, I want to talk to you about the virtues or the characteristics of manhood. You've got to have these to be a man. You with me? And I know that this is what God is saying to us in this season. The answer to our society, a lot of its issues, is about men becoming men. All right. The first one is tough love. If you don't have tough love, you're still a boy. Tough love is far more difficult to obtain than physical toughness. It sets the men apart from the boys. A tough guy is someone who can blacken an eye or bloody a nose. It's someone who's willing to be nailed to the cross for someone they love. Jesus said it like this in Luke 9, 23. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow hard after me. One thing about being a man is denying yourself. Come on, church. How many knows this? When you were young, you heard this saying, it's more blessed to give than receive. And you're like, are you crazy? Would you rather give a deer rifle or receive one? But how many knows that when you had children, at Christmas time, you got the full revelation that it's more blessed to give than receive? See, tough love is about denying yourself. Let me say something, men. You have got to get this ingrained into your journey. If you are married and a father, you've got to live sacrificially and learn how to deny yourself. My boys wear under armor. But I wore Rawlins. 
Why? Because I'm a father. And it's not right for the children to lay up for the father, but the father to lay up for the children. Come on now. I see some men, if they three sandwiches in your house and you got a wife with two kids, you got the sandwich in your mouth, there's something wrong with that. You still a boy. You still a boy. And just cause you got children don't mean tell me you that don't mean to tell me you're a man. That just means you've of age. When you're a grown man, you've learned how to deny yourself. It's not about your feelings. My God, I'm going to have to quit right here. I want to get real hard, Danny, on this. But I watched the way that Danny, even with the way he's treated Nicholas and the statements that he makes about these things right here, about he will say, let's just say this, Nicholas, maybe I don't get in trouble with this, about a pen. I remember when you handed him a pen. His pen was different than your pen, and you told him why his pen was different than your pen. And you said, when you mature up to the place, you'll get to tote my pen. This is the same way with God, friend. Do you understand that the blessing he has for your life has always been in your lane? You're not praying for the blessing. Come on, I'm trying to help. You're not praying for the blessing. The blessing's already been there. The Bible says it like this. Help me right here. It says, I had not seen nor ear hath heard what God has prepared for them that love Him. It's already been prepared. The reason why you're not walking in the blessing is because you can't man up to get at the place to tote the blessing. Look at your neighbor and say, man up. If you will man up, the blessing you want is in your lane. You just got to man up to get it. God don't dump his stuff out on immature boys. God puts it on grown men. Listen to this. If any man desires to come out of me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow hard after me. This is the path of the man. Following where? Hard after thee. It is estimated that a Roman cross weighed 300 pounds. Even if Jesus only carried the crossbar, it was still placed upon flesh that had just been flogged. And he carried it no less than 650 yards down the Via Della Rosa. The path to manhood is not easy. That's why everybody is not a grown man. It takes sacrifice. It's difficult. It's hard. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. Everybody wants the path to least resistant. But least resistant paths never lead to success gosh I'm preaching good this morning in here Dusty I'm preaching good I'm preaching good this right here cut half the council sessions out just be a man just be a man Kids is running wild. Why? Because we don't have a man. Oh, you said, well, he fit to get old fashioned. When I was standing by my father, if he was speaking to another adult, I knew it wasn't my time to speak. And if I had, if I had to say something or interject something, I, I pulled on the coat right there. And when I opened my mouth, we said, yes, sir, and no, sir. We said, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. 
come on, this is the whole issue that's traveled over into the schools. When I was little and you went to school and the teacher got on to you, you got the you-know-what beat out of you when you got home. But nowadays, when you go to school, if the teacher gets on to you, the mama calls the teacher and wants to know what the teacher's problem is. And let me tell you the reason why that's happening is because we don't have a man in the household. My God. It's, it's going to thin the church out right here. That's all right. Listen to this. He toted it up the Via Dolorosa. So listen to this. Jesus knew that conflict, not comfort, is the catalyst for growth. Look at your neighbor and say, conflict, not, ca- not comfort, is the catalyst for growth. You never know what you got until you get into conflict. Orrin Wells gives a famous speech in in The Third Man. He said in Italy for 30 years under Borges, they've had warfare, terror, and murder and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had peace, brotherly love, and 500 years of democracy. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. There's something about the environment of conflict. It produces grown bearded men. Shane, you got to be eating this up. When you wanted to be a recon marine, they don't take you to some safe, predictable environment. They put you through immortal hell on earth. Why? Because they are preparing you for the battle ahead. I know I'm demonstrative preaching it. I ain't half as bad as what I was outside last night by my swimming pool. My God, every deer in the creek back there was hearing it. Full-blown tongues for 30 minutes and then I'd preach. Listen to this. We must comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. This is where we're at in the church. We design our services to be just as friendly and just as seeker as we can possibly get them to get the peoples in the door. Oh, we want to make sure you're comfortable. Are you comfortable? Are you comfortable? That's what's wrong with the American church. We're too comfortable. The, service, the services should never be designed to see if they please you or not. My main goal is when we leave this house, Father, will you please? That is the one. Listen, you're not going to be standing there handing me my crown, baby. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't want to be known. Did you preach to tickle men's ears? Or did you preach what I put on you in the midnight hour? Did you declare what I told you in the night season? That's what I want to know, friend. Listen to this. We must comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. This was the whole deal about with the men's thing. Said, if you want to get in this group, we're going to get in your face. If you want to continue in your sin, come on, somebody. If you want to continue in your sin and stay with your diapers, then get out of the platoon. But if you want to grow and rise to the destiny that God has for you, this is the pathway. Gosh, that's hard preaching. Who is this fat, bald-headed joke screaming like this? Telling me i got to grow up and change my life. That's a shepherd. A hireling won't tell you nothing. A hireling to come in here and tickle your ears as long as the bills is being paid. 
But a shepherd said, you better get that out of your life or you're going to die. My God. Man, I just feel like we should play Rocky or something. I don't know. My God. Listen to this. Listen to this verse of Scripture. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says this. The words of the wise are like goads. A goad was a spiked stick used for driving cattle. We never going to become men without confrontation. See, we got to have strong men in the house that know how to use the goad. It's like this. Danny looks at me one day and this is what he says. You ever seen a Delta pilot with any weight on him? I got to thinking. I said, no, I ain't never seen one. He said, let me tell you why you ain't never seen one. When he goes before the board of captains, they look at him and they say that he can't even see how to take care of himself. How in the world is he going to take care of what's behind him? What is that? That's a goad. Say, get in the gym. Get some weight off. Oh, it's quiet up in here. We don't like to hear that. No, we like to hear everything's, everything's great. Everything's roses and hunky-dory. Meanwhile, our children are going to hell in a handbasket and lions are devouring our children right in the streets of our own community and our own city. Gangs overtaking the city. Why is that happening? Because we got boys in the church, but with men, good men. Oh my God, I came to preach this a little bit. The Bible says why men slept, why men slept with comfort, the enemy come in and so. Why men slept? Why men just laid down? Let me just rest a little while. While we were just resting, one woman came in and put Roe versus Wade. While we slept, one woman come in and took prayer out of schools. When good men rise up, evil will come off of a city. I said when grown men come to the house of God, evil will back down in the city where we dwell in. I feel the Spirit of God in this room this morning giving a clarion call to the mighty men saying, wake up. you got to have a goad. A goad looks at you and says, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what's wrong with my finances. Are you tithing? Are you tithing? Quit fooling yourself asking God to bless you when you can't even trust Him as a provider. Quit fooling yourself. Quit fooling yourself. Show God you can write the tithe, friend, and get authority over your finances. That's a goad. Some of you going to stay at the same place you're at right now until somebody hits you with a goad. And here's what you got to do. You can either be offended or you can take it and rise up to the challenge. Nick Saban ain't in the locker room, friend, on the, before the national championship game and said, guys, I just hope you go out and have fun on the field. He's grabbing a face mask and said, let me tell you something. You better have a heart of a killer on that field. I want to see broken bones. I want to see something happen. This is your time. You were born for this. This title's going back with us tonight, friend. And when he unleashes that on the field, it's domination. Cleve, I might be a little bit too raw this morning. I'm telling you, my God, I feel it in this room. We got to have some goading. I come to goad some folks this morning up in here. 
Quit blaming what happened to you, the reason why you're not there. Drop the victim mentality. You are a victor in Christ, not a victim. He's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. If God be for you, then who in the world can be against you? If he said, give in and it shall be given unto you. He said, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask, they can imagine. Ephesians 3.20. Quit blaming it on somebody else. Rise up and take your place. Rise up and take your place. Man up. All right. You got to have a tough skin and a soft heart. What protects a soft heart is tough skin. Look at your neighbor and say, man, if you ain't got no tough skin, you're a boy. You got to learn how to tough some things out. Especially if you're going to do this thing called church life. Church folk will kiss you on the cheek and cut you in the back. I just got to tell you, that's the way we roll around here. I've been in the church a long time enough. Catherine told me when we planted our first church, I was 26 years old in the city that we planted our church in, drew the national attention, a national attention of Peter Jennings on the drug problem in that city. She said, I'm scared to death of the drugs in that city. I said, I ain't scared of the drug lords. I'm worried about the church folk. Church folk are a whole lot more dangerous than gangsters. At least the gangsters will man up and get in the street with you. The church folk hide like cowards and do it behind your back. Oh my God, I came to say something. I came to say something. That's the whole deal. What social media has done is built a platform for the coward. Social media has built a platform for the coward. It's time if you go man up, let me tell you something. If you go man up, the Bible says like this. If you got an issue with this right here, it said go confront him face to face alone. Tell him what you got the issue with. Tell me, baby, tell me what I did wrong so that we can make it right. If we grow, we can humble ourselves and come to. Don't get up there and wear your feelings on your sleeve on Facebook telling everybody in the world you're junk. That just shows how immature you really are. Oh my God, I'm preaching up in here. We're going to have to title this Rated R. Don't listen to it. Rated R real. Quit putting your stuff on Facebook whining and crying. Because your son didn't get picked to the whole nine yards. Get better. I'm going to preach right here. Just There's a reason why your child's on the bench. You don't think a coach that makes his living off of winning, he's going to put the best he's got. Obviously, there's something he ain't seen. So get your child and get some lessons and get better. Quit whining. My God, i got to quit. I'm talking about my own life right there a minute. I'm the number one. Why ain't my kid out there? He needs some work. All right, listen to me. You got to have tough skin with a soft heart. The way you protect your soft heart is you got to have tough skin. Listen to this verse of scripture. Proverbs 19:11 said, "It's to one's glory to overlook the offense." You're gonna have to let a lot of stuff roll off your back. You're gonna have to lot of let a lot of stuff roll off your back. Man, there's so much I want to go into. I ain't going to get to none of this hardly. 
Listen to this. When you take an offense, you become defensive. And the second you become defensive, the kingdom stops advancing through you. I'm going to say it again. When you take an offense, you become defensive. And the second you become defensive, the kingdom stops advancing through you. What did Jesus did not do? What is one thing he did not do? Defend himself. There are going to be haters rise up and say all kind of stuff. Haters get mad. I, I told this is what I told my son. I said, God do a work in this city. And I said, there's a thousand seater church sitting in this city. You better be prepared to be hated. And you ain't gonna be hated by you ain't gonna be hated by, by folk that don't know Jesus. Be hated by the, by the church. Why? Because of jealousy and envy rising up in their heart. All you got to do is get a dream. Get you a dream and the haters will come out. Get you a dream. As long as you want to ride the pew and sing, Come by y'all, my Lord, and hang on and wait on the rapture, ain't nobody going to mess with you. But if you get a dream of building something bigger than what their mind can conceive, the haters will rise up. Oh, my God. I got to get to this one other part right here. I got to thrust the plane a little bit, okay? Listen to this. You got to have tough skin. Let some stuff roll off your back. Because the preacher didn't shake your hand today doesn't mean he don't love you. Because we forgot to call you and wish you happy birthday don't mean we don't love you. That just means sometimes the battle's real. I can tell you where I live on the front lines. I'm down here at the heat of the battle with a sword in one hand and a shield in the other. Get grown enough. A stallion out there in the field, you ain't got to go see him every day. About once a month, drop him a fresh bell of hay off. Every two weeks. That's every two weeks. Drop him a fresh bell of hay off. All you got to provide for him is water and a pasture. Let me tell you something. God's provided you water every day, man. And He's provided you a pastor to glean from every day of your life. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, the 66 books of instructions on how to do life on planet Earth. It is a love letter written to men. Come on, somebody. It is alive. It's a living book. Come on, somebody. It's a wheel within a wheel. Come on, somebody. And it's yours to glean and feast on every day of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, man up. What's the first virtue you got to have? Tough love. Look at your manly neighbor and say, if you ain't got tough love, you're a boy. <clears throat> Listen to this. I'm going to finish with this, and i got to preach this quick, but this is a passion of mine right here. So I'm going to probably be a little bit demonstrative, okay? I mean, I could fire up like Dusty Rhodes on this because it's a strong passion of mine. I'm forewarning you. Listen to this. The second virtue of manhood is wandering dreamer. All real men have childlike wonder and they're dreamers and thinkers. 
all men have childlike wonder and they're dreamers and thinkers. Now let's look at this right here. On October the 14th, 1912, I want to tell you this. I didn't know this until I began to study about him. But I'm fixing to read you a real man. We love like real man. Like, you know what I'm saying, John Wayne, true grit. Remember when the girl saw him in there sleeping, he was half drunk all the time, just laying down sleeping. He said, wonder why you got true grit. He showed her where the true grit though was when the battle come on. But let me show you a man with true grit right here. You ready? On October the 14th, 1912, Teddy Roosevelt was in actually Milwaukee, Wisconsin, but he was campaigning for the White House when he was shot at point blank range with a 32 caliber pistol. The bullet lodged two inches deep in his chest. He opened his speech by declaring, the bullet is in me now, so I cannot make a very long speech. Have you know this is a grown man? I'm sorry, I was just shot at point blank range. Bullets two inches deep in my chest, so I'm not going to be able to preach long this morning. Listen to this. Roosevelt spoke for 53 minutes. One author says, Wikipedia says, I think 84 minutes. By the time he was done, he was standing in a pool of his own blood. He was a man's man. Roosevelt's resume of manliness, he rode a moose, took down an armed cowboy during a barroom, during a, a barroom brawl, crossed the river to chase boat thieves, worked a ranch in the Dakotas, flew a Wright Brothers airplane, scaled the Matter, Matterhorn in the Swiss Alps, went on a month-long African safari, navigated uncharted parts of the Amazon River, Set up a boxing ring. Listen to this. Set up a boxing ring in the White House so he could spar with anybody who dared get in the ring with him. How many knows this is a grown man? But let me tell you what his real passion was. He had a passion for reading. See, let me tell you something. The reason why we can't get men to dream is because men won't educate themselves. We're ignorant. Because we won't educate ourselves. Nobody, Catherine didn't say, John, would you please study? Would you, would you do, would you please do this? I have a passion to educate myself. No wonder why Hosea said my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Listen to this. <clears throat> Teddy Roosevelt managed to read about 500 books a year. And that was why he was president. He also managed to write 35 books. One biographer said he would brush his teeth and jump in bed, lay his revolver next to his pillar, and he would read at least one book a night. And when there was nothing else to do, it said Teddy Roosevelt would go to sleep. Only to awake the next day. Oftentimes when people would come into the White House, Teddy Roosevelt, would, he would find out what their passion was. If Dusty had a passion for fishing, he would be had read multiple books on fishing so that he could communicate with Dusty and have a well conversation. See, we want the next level, but we can't even communicate on the next level. 
I'm, do you understand? I'm giving you the road map. Right here. I'm giving you the tools. You're not coming listening to a sermon. I am depositing tools in your life to get you to the next level. So don't cry and complain when, when people all around you has made it to the next level and you're still at the starting line. All right. People's like, man, I'm ready to get out of here. This dude's beating us up. He's killing us. Listen to this. Y'all right? Look at the neighbor say, I'm all right. All right. We got about another 55 minutes. I'm cutting up. I'm bringing her to a close. Listen to this. According to neurologists, our brains have a storage capacity of approximately 2.5 petabytes. One million, that's one million gigabytes. That is equivalent of recording 300 million hours of high-def television. That's what this has the ability to hold. It's amazing, ain't it? This supercomputer called the brain that God instilled inside of us has this level of this, this miracle to obtain this amount of information. You all right? According to Pew Research Institute, half of adults read fewer than five books a year and men, and men read 13% fewer than women. Listen to this. The most important law of ecology is this. For an organism to survive, the rate of learning must be equal or greater than the rate of change happening around them. Listen to me. For an organism to survive, the rate of learning must be equal or greater than the rate of change happening around them. The word disciples comes from the Greek word, I'm going I'm to just butcher it, but it's like mathetes or something like that. The root word means mental effort needed to think something through. So by definition, a disciple is someone who is never stops learning. Faith is not mindless, but mindful. Half-minded is no better than half-hearted. And I remind you, Jesus rebuked Peter in Matthew 16 because he was not mindful of the things of God. This little passion called reading what is ESPN going to do for you men? It's quiet in this room. We went up to Virginia. We saw a kid that was 12 years old, never seen a TV in his life. But I remember I said, why don't you have a TV? He says, just a distraction. See, we easily distracted. I want to preach right here, Miss Mary, a little bit. You can tell I can, I can throw it down today all day long if you want to. But I know we can't hold it so much. Paul said it like this. Lay aside every sin that does so easily, easily distract you. Friend, if you're being easily distracted, you're a boy, not a grown man. Men are focused. Men are thinkers. Men rise up in the morning and realize that Today is the day that the Lord has made. And I'm going to make the best of it. Don't put off today. You can't put it up. You can't put nothing. You got to live every day. Like today's your last day. 
and learn like, you're ne- like there's no tomorrow. Like it's never going to run out. Uh, listen to this. I'm almost done. Help me right here, Lee. Whatever that is popping. Uh, so listen to this. You got, you got to listen to this right here. What the eye see is determined by what the brain has learned. Listen to me. What the eye sees is determined by what the brain has learned. Wonder why we can't get worship no higher in the house of God. Man, this is good, dude. Your brain, your eye sees only what your brain has learned. That's why we look up at the stars and we're like, what? But an astronomer has a trained eye for the galaxies and the stars because he has trained himself. He has learned himself and he sees what you cannot see. Why? Because he has more knowledge than you have. Wonder why in worship, listen to me, that we can't get no higher in worship is because we don't, our understanding of God is limited. Our understanding of God is limited because we have not educated ourselves. But if we educate ourselves to how good God really is, if you focus the next seven days on nothing but the goodness of God and you came in this room and we begin to worship, we would never be able to preach because the worship would explode into the streets of this city. Why? Because you've trained your eye to see Him. We wonder. I sat there and, and... and I get so frustrated. I say, God, why can't they see this? Why is other people not seeing this? Why is other people? And here's the deal. They don't educate themselves. They not even a clue that there was a meeting with 20,000 people gathered together yesterday in Stone Mountain, Georgia to go against the racism right at the face of General Robert E. Lee painted on the side of a mountain to say, we will not be divided in this nation. People are ignorant to what's going on on the earth. Get out of Fox News and CNN and get in a book. There's not a day that goes by that I don't read. I'm reading three books right now. You gotta read. You gotta read to educate yourself. Read. Get a passion for reading. Why? Because the eye can only see what the brain has been trained to give knowledge to. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 4, help me Holy Ghost to land this plane. This is why he looked at Samaritans and he said, you worship what you don't know. You worship what you don't know, but we know what we worship for. For salvation is of the Jews. What he's saying is you just worshiping right now empty because you worshiping out of, out of ignorance. But if you ever had the knowledge of what truly is standing in front of you, you would begin to worship in spirit and in truth. I'm not telling you that knowledge is the key, but it could be that our quality of worship determines by our quantity of knowledge. I can tell you what you know about God is the ceiling of your worship. My, my, my. Paul, in his instruction to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My dad said always this. He said, Be a man of your word, but let me tell you another greater revelation. Not only be a man of your word, but be a man of the word. Know what it says. I'm sick and tired of hearing believers say, well, don't the good book say? Know what the good book says. Open it up and see for yourself.
See, we don't like the people that I ain't coming back to hear no message like that. He beat us up. I'm not beating nobody up. My God, I got a passion to raise something up. I'm tired of some weak-kneed, sissy-back-army that can't go down there to the battle and do nothing, friend. I'm tired of cancer running rampant in the church. I'm tired of seeing men bound down to pornography and every other daggone sexually, sexually perversion in the church. It's time men rise up in the house of God. The reason we got young men struggling with identity is because we got wrong boys, grown boys that don't know who they are. Fathers release identity. We're never going to get fathers to come to the place until we get men. All right. All right. I've got, I've got to land a plane. Let me just do this right here. Real quick, okay? Listen to this. What was the second one? I only got two, man. I got seven. Tom, you think I can get them in real quick? No, I'm messing with you. I'm not going to do it. Tough love. Two is you got to have a dream. you got to be a thinker. Listen to this. I just wanna, I'm just going to drop your taste for this, and we'll get back on it. I just want to tell you the third one is willpower. You're never going to make it if you ain't got willpower. That's man and woman in here and kid. You're never going to make it if you ain't got willpower. you got to have willpower. Listen to this. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, In this world you're going to have tribulation. Look at your neighbor and say, You're going to go through some things that ain't going to be fun. It's going to be rough. I got noted. I got noted. You're going to experience some, some, some severe, severe tribulation. And if you got a great call on your life, welcome to Boot Camp 101 being drugged through the mire. Welcome to being deserted in the wilderness, left alone to die. Welcome to being stoned three times, shipwrecked more than once. Come on, somebody. Riding the ship in on a piece of board. Welcome to the island of Malta when you're trying to burn a fire to help people out. The viper going to come by you. Welcome to that. You got to have willpower. You got to rise up and say, we're doing this thing. Willpower. Listen to this. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just dropping this real quick, but I got to go. I'm going to get this right here in, right here before I leave. There is no situation under the sun in which your ability to respond will take away from you. Be taken away from you. You may not control your circumstances, but you can control your reactions to them. This is what separates men, men from boys. Boys react, men respond. The first thing you got to do is take heart. Jesus said, take heart. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Listen to this. The second thing is delayed gratifications. If you want to be successful, you've got to learn how to delay your gratifications. Can y'all give me five minutes right here? I feel like I'm borrowing some time, but I got to tell you this. This is why, listen to me, if you raise your kids, getting them everything you want, which I do, and a lot of us do, but what we do is instill in our boys. If every time Grant says, Daddy, I want this, and we get it instantly for him, let me tell you what you're also instilling in him. He does not know how to delay his gratifications. So when he gets 16 and 17, and that testosterone is flowing through his body at record high levels, he cannot understand that he can't have it now. There's a reason why God puts that in a man and creates that sex drive before you get married. Why? Because He intends you to delay some things to mature you. This is good. They did a study. They gave these kids all marshmallows. And they said, listen, 
if you won't eat this marshmallow, if you can learn how to do without this marshmallow, I will come back and I'll give you another marshmallow. So they videoed these children. And these kids were looking at it. Some of them ate it. He's probably telling the story anyhow. I'm eating this thing. Some, some started singing. Others wouldn't look at it. Like, you know, we bind Dairy Queen. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You devil from hell. <laughs> hey, boy. Listen. I'm almost done right here. Look at your neighbor and say, praise God, he's almost done. We're getting out of here. Right, listen. What they did was they kept track of these kids for decades. The children that delayed their gratification made more money, had successful marriages, successful businesses. Why? Because they could deny themselves. Delay the gratification. See, there's some things that have happened that I won't jump in the fight. And a lot of people be like, why don't he just get up and fight on that? Mm. Because my, my interest is not winning the fight. My interest is in winning the war. All right. Jack Hayford, who is, who is one of the greatest leaders considered by many to be the pastor's pastor, said at a conference, he said, I'm going to tell you my secret sauce, who is in his 80s now. He says this, here's, the, here's, what's, here's how I've stayed successful. Listen to this, you've got to make decisions against yourself. If you're going to become a man, you've got to make a decision against yourself. Listen to me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 23, all things, all, 2 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are permissible to me, but not everything is beneficial. Listen to me. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. The little distinction between permissible and beneficial is the difference between good and great. Don't settle for permissible because that's the path of least resistance. Jesus cried out, not my will, but your will be done. Everything's permissible, but not everything is profitable. So you got to inventory your life's journey, what's in your life right now, that you are allowing by permissible, but it's not, it's not beneficial. Call me old school or what you want, but alcohol is not beneficial. Tobacco is not beneficial. Get rid of it. Kill it. Slay it. Come on, somebody. Hello. Do we want to be in the army or we want to stay children? It may, be it may be permissible, but it's not beneficial. Jack Hayford said this. He had not had chocolate in 30 years. He says, nowhere in the Bible says I can't have chocolate, but I felt like God told me to lay it down. If we would get off, let me pull this out so you can see it. All 275 probably. If we would just get off. By the way, four weeks ago I said, I, I'm not, I, gotta get, I, get, I ain't no way that we're going to travel and do what we're going to do. Run around with 275. You just can't do it. 
You get fatigued. Just get off the sugar. Get off. It's awful quiet again. Oh, God, would you just touch me, Lord? Would you touch me, God? Would you heal me? And you got a cake square like this right here, and you're putting it in your mouth. Rod Parsley said years ago that the devil ain't scared of the American church. The American church is killing itself with a fork. With a fork. Maybe the fork is, is permissible, but maybe the fork's not beneficial in the journey. You cannot, as a man, it's not about saying no to what's wrong. It's about saying no to second best. Because second best is the enemy to great. It's where I want to go. It's where I'm trying to get to. Don't mock and laugh fun of me because I ain't going to eat no bread pudding. I'm trying to get somewhere. I know I've jumped a lot on you. I leave you with this. You ain't no man unless you got integrity. I'm saying this in the room right now. Come leaving. Crank the truck up, Stan, because they're gonna kill me before I get out. No, I'm playing. <laughs> Listen, you are not a man if you have no integrity. Integrity is not who you are when everyone is looking. You are the result of you are who you are when no eyes are on you. Hello. You are not who you are while the eyes are upon you. You are who you are when no eyes are on you. Your business is not going to the next level without integrity. Let me tell you this. I could butcher the date. 1925, U.S. Open. There's a golfer by the name of Bobby Jones who is considered one of the greatest golfers in history. He was the first golfer to win four majors in one year. In the 1925 U.S. Open, he accidentally touched his ball. No official saw him touch the ball. He himself was not sure that he touched the ball. He thought he did. So he called an official over to himself and said, give me a one-stroke penalty because I touched the ball. The official said, are you retarded, man? Are you crazy? Are you, are, are you, cra- are you a re- crazy man? Forgive me for saying that in the wrong text. Are you crazy? And he said, he said, I touched the ball. So he takes a one-stroke penalty. At the end of the U.S. Open, Bobby Jones loses the tournament by one stroke. When they applaud Bobby Jones for and, com- and commended him for what he had done, he said, you had better, you had just as much as well as praised me for robbing a bank. You must play the game the right way. Let me tell you something. Manhood is played one way. And it is the right way with integrity. When it costs you, you still make the right decision. Why? Because it's who you are. You got integrity. Kenneth Copeland sold a plane one time. And after he sold the plane, after having the plane inspected, everything checked out on the plane. The plane was phenomenal. Nothing wrong with it. He sold the plane. When the plane uh, shortly after selling the plane, one of the engines went out. 
And when the engines went out, he went back to his bill and he went back to his cell and he went back over everything he had done and he realized that the plane was immaculate when it left. And, but Kenneth Copeland said this. He said, nevertheless, lest you question my integrity, I will pay for the engine myself. And it cost him $400,000. Why? Because integrity is taking me a long time to get here. It is an inward strength. It's who I am. It's who I am in the night. It's who I am in the day. It's who I am with eyes on me. And it's who I am when they're not on me. It's playing the game the right way. Now imagine... If we had men in this house that could respond to that type of message, where would we be? Where would we be, church? Where would we be? If we had men that could rise up to the challenge, stand up with me this morning. Stretch your hands towards heaven. I know that I dumped a lot of information on you. Father, I pray today that you would release a clarion call throughout this house and that you would begin to raise men up in this house. You would begin to raise us up as men. Father, me being included, my God, I have got a long ways to go. Father, help us to learn how to make decisions against ourselves. Let us get rid of things in our lives right now that is hindering us to get to the next level. Give us a passion to read. Give us tough skin, God. Let us rise up and man up. God, let us have a passion for the things of you. God, let us hate what you hate in the name of Jesus. That is a key to getting rid of sin in your life. If we begin to just pray that prayer, God, let me hate what you hate. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing throughout this region. Just reach your neighbor right there. Come on, spouse, wife, if your husband's right there, lay your hands on him. Say, man up in Jesus' name. Man up. I need you to man up in this season. I need you to man up. I need you to get to the place. God, help us in Jesus' name. God, help us in Jesus' name. Come on, man. Say that prayer. Say, I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on, man up. Say, God, give me the willpower. Give me the strength. Give me willpower. Give me the strength in the mighty name of Jesus. Man up in your house. Man up in your house. In the name of Jesus. Man up. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. God, we repent of lethargicness. We repent of being asleep. We repent, Lord, of being idle. It is I. You cannot be idle, man. Sir, you cannot be idle. David was idle when he sinned with Bathsheba. You cannot be idle. Why? Because it's not good for man to be alone. Father, I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Now, men, look at me. How many agree we got a long way to go? How many believe God's trying to do something in our lives? Come on, got four people? Do I got ten? Come on, do I got ten before I leave? Then give me twenty. No. You believe God's trying to do something? Get you. All right, let's go. Give the Lord a great, great big hand clap of praise. God bless you. 
Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.